The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. such a beautiful Monday, such a beautiful week. Oh man, such a beautiful day. I don't know about y'all. I woke up this morning feeling beautiful. I woke up singing sunshine. I've got sunshine. It was my ringtone this morning. And the fact that I remember watching a young bull rusher dominate watching a ginger win watching a bad man in michael pittman dominating as well guys you know what this is this is the michael pittman jr fan show this is the home of all your great cult sports talk welcome back to the blue stable podcast now as always i'm michael terrazas Got to have my little robe on. Got to enjoy this. You know what? We may be three and four. I'm not even celebrating that. I'm not feeling like a million bucks because of that. I'm feeling a million bucks because I got Rashad McGinnis here with me. Rashad, how are you feeling on this day? I'm enjoying the show. I'm enjoying the show. I'm glad you're in a much better space because this time last week, uh, Jacob Beeson had just got cut and you was throwing a rant. Because you was the same guy that said that you didn't want Carson Wentz and you wanted Jacob Eason. <laughs> and it was Eason's season. Eason was the future of this franchise. Eason was going to lead the Colts back to the promised land. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Michael Terrazas has changed up his tune, ladies and gentlemen. Now I saw him tweet that a first and a third was robbery for Carson Wentz. The same man that says, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know about Carson Wentz. He turns the ball over. He holds on to the ball too long. He misses reads. He's throwing the ball high. I don't know. But now, a first and third is highway robbery. I'm disgusted at the turning of events that have happened with Michael Terraza. So, yes, 
He's celebrating in the sun because of Michael Pittman. He got that right. But God damn it, I will not let him forget how he felt about Carson Wentz when he first came aboard. Go ahead, Michael. Now, let me just remind you, a gentleman's, you know, glass raise. Let me remind you of what I said, all right? I said, you know what? Carson Wentz has a lot to prove. There's no reason why he should fail in Indianapolis. I said there were questions. I said there was all kinds of things going on with Carson Wentz. His mentality, was it too fragile? What, did he just lose it? Was he too injured too often? That's what was happening in Philadelphia. But you know what, gosh dang it? He got here, and I literally, I literally highlighted that. Quarterback play right now in training camp is a question mark until Carson Wentz proves that he can play at a high level. Now, let me just tell you, Rashad McGinnis, okay? Because I told you what was going to happen if he did play at that high level. I told you and Destin what was going to happen if Michael Pittman reached that level. I told you what was going to happen if Jonathan Taylor was the bull rushing running back that he is right now. I told you once. I'll say it again, gosh dang it. The Colts are looking good right now. They're looking good. Now, yesterday's game, I mean, even up to this point, Carson Wentz passed, what, four games? Had a 100 quarterback rating. That's pretty good. He's not putting the harms in, the ball in harm's way too much. He's making game-winning plays. How about yesterday? Putting his body on the line, two big-time runs, one on, I believe it was like third and 15. The other one was a touchdown at the goal line. We always talk about, hey, Frank Reich is too predictive. He hands the ball off too much. He's too predictive. Get cute. Get creative. Guess what? No one in their right minds thought Carson Wentz was getting that ball, keeping that ball in his hands at the goal line. That's creative. So, Rashad McGinnis, when you mention the embarrassment that I mentioned Jacob Eason, who is not even on the team anymore. When you mentioned that, my heart breaks, okay? You brought back some depression. You brought back some, you know, anxiety, okay? Uh, but here's the thing, okay? Even with that, I still win because I still mentioned Carson Wentz, can, get, can he get to that level? I never questioned his ability. If you want to go back on all the shows, I never questioned the ability, but I did question Work ethic, leadership, mental discipline. I question those things. So instead of trying to get at me, instead of trying to be my enemy, because up until this point, you've been my friend, I want to raise a toast to you, Rashad McGinnis, to the Blue Stable. Because y'all, for the first time in a long, long time, the Colts have a QB1, they have a RB1, and now I've been trying to tell you, I've been trying to tell you, now he cemented himself. He let you know he's here. Maybe one primetime game, maybe that was a fluke. The next one, he basically just said, get up out my way. I'm going to make some plays. Raise a toast to the Colts having a three-headed monster once again in Indy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, yes, sir. Get break down. Absolutely on this football game, all right? Because, you know, I'm feeling all kinds of something right now. I'm feeling like a million bucks. I could talk for three hours, but people aren't going to listen to us for three hours, all right? This is what we're going to do. The Colts beat the San Francisco 49ers last night on Sunday Night Football, all right? 
It was raining. It was raining pretty hard. Um, I can't even believe I actually saw this, but the ball boys were actually trying to dry footballs with wet towels. I, 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 it was literally the most random thing that I noticed. Okay. And I'm just on my couch. I'm like, did I see that right? So yeah, uh, Rashad, my overall thoughts real quick, beating the 49ers. Look, it was a very ugly football game for two quarters, honestly, for two quarters, second and third. It was a very ugly football game. The ball, I mean, everybody was losing uh, grip on it. There was a lot of slipping going on. I could even see blocks on the Colts offensive line and the San Francisco 49ers offensive line. It was wet. They couldn't maintain blocks. They couldn't just keep that grip on the shoulder pads, on the jersey. It hampered a lot of these guys' ability to block. Now, my overall thoughts, Even I even tweeted it, last, tweeted it out last night. I don't care how it happens, but the Colts need to walk out of Levi Stadium with a win. They need to walk out. And that's what they did in the rain. They took care of what they needed to take care of. Let the 49ers beat themselves. Let them uh, cause penalties. Let them beat themselves. Let them make the mental mistakes. We'll take care of our thing. Now, Rashad, what is your uh, opening comments about beating the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night football? A statement victory, uh, something they needed. This is the first win over a solid team this year. Let's let's keep it honest. We beat up on the Dolphins, who's looking horrendous. We beat up on the Texans, who who is terrible. You know, 49ers is a respectable opponent. Although they're not at 500 right now, we know that that's a team that's capable of beating anybody from on any given Sunday. But one thing I want to say about the conditions, you know, we talked, me and you discussed the conditions on the preview show, and we talked about how having – not having Trey Lance for them was going to be a big blow because he's a guy that could that can bring another element to that run game. And with him not being there, Jimmy G being a guy that's a pocket passer, we knew that that wasn't going to work in their favor because they needed somebody that can get that run game going. Kyle Shanahan's one of the very best at drawing up the run. The game started off ugly, and they ran the ball on us. They opened the game the first couple of plays with bootleg passes and – Soon as we started preparing for that, they, they ran the ball down our throat. Um, and it was a good game plan. All I said was that we had to weather the storm. Frisco jumped out to nine, nothing. And I was like, oh boy, this could get ugly. This could get ugly real quick. But man, we weathered the storm, literally weathered the storm. And when we went to halftime 13 12, I just knew we was okay. I think we had a better team to, to win running the football because we have the better run game, the better running back. And the better offensive line, oh, no, aside from Trent Williams, who's just a flat-out dog. But other than that, I think we was the more prepared team and better equipped to win in those conditions than the 49ers. Eric Fisher better than Mike McGlinchey? Eric Fisher, Eric Fisher I, I compare Eric Fisher and Trent Williams. They're both the left tackles. Okay. All right, I'll take it. So would you – Yesterday's performance, would you grade Matt Pryor higher than Mike McGlinchey? Off yesterday's performance? I'm thinking. I would say yes because the level the level of competition Matt Pryor Not, yeah. went up against. That's that's probably yeah. that's probably all right. Fair. Well, that that's my you know, I, I think when we talked Thursday, one of the keys to victory for me was the turnover battle. 
in the rain. It had to have been, a, it had to be a focal point. And hey, we won the turnover battle. Okay. All right. I think it was tied. Was it nah, tied? Four to two. Four to four two. Four to two. Jesus, my godly. Um, hey, we won it. All right. Yeah, there was one. Look, man, getting getting into, and this is going to lead us into our next segment anyway, talking about we finally have a three-headed monster with Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, and Michael Pittman, okay? I got to basically I, – I got to commend this team, first off, because a pathetic opening defensive drive, and then Jonathan Taylor fumbles the football. Now you're thinking, oh, boy, this is this is turning bad real quick. The defense stepped up. Got to give them their credit. We'll talk about that later in the show. And then Jonathan Taylor came back. You know what? I'm going to protect this ball even more. Carson Wentz even told him, hey, you're the best player on this team. We're going to keep giving you the ball. Don't worry. Um, Also on Jonathan Taylor, Frank Reich did mention, you know, people have questions about his usage in the fourth quarter. Frank Reich did mention today that Jonathan Taylor felt something, Mm -hmm. but basically held him out for precaution reasons. Uh. Very, very, very smart by by the staff to hold him out. I don't even care. Uh, I mean, if it came to him, I don't even care about the game anymore. I really don't. Um, and, hey, we'll, we'll see. We'll monitor it going forward. But that's all we have on that right now. But definitely got to commend the team right there, battling through the rain. It was very ugly for the second and third quarter. I thought the first and the fourth quarter, the rain was really light in my opinion, or I wouldn't even say light because I wasn't there, but it was lighter than what it had been uh, in the second and third quarter. Right. Which you even saw it. You even saw the game plans change from the first quarter into the second quarter. The Colts were passing the ball. The 49ers were passing the ball. And then when the rain came, now you started seeing everybody running the football. And then when the fourth quarter came, the 49ers started passing the ball. Colts started passing the ball a little bit more. So, I got to commend this team for adjusting to the inclement weather, adjusting to the adversity, facing adversity in its face and beating it right then and there. Now, I solely just talking about these three men. Last night, going against the 49ers, and they have a, they have a good defense. They have a good defense. It's not, it's not the 2019 defense uh, that went to the Super Bowl, but, I mean, Lord, man, there's still some talent on, on this team. Carson Wentz, I, I can say confidently right now through seven games, I think Carson's shown us enough to, to say we probably won this straight with Philadelphia. I tweeted it out earlier today. Chris Ballard underpaid for Carson Wentz. And you think about the going rate for franchise quarterbacks. Forget about just regular quarterbacks. Franchise quarterbacks. You're talking three first-round picks minimum. And we got him for a third-round pick in this year's first round pick. Now, depending if we finish in the playoffs or shot, imagine if we, if our pick is 24, who at 24, you know, depending on what we'll see when that draft time comes, but were we going to target a quarterback there at 24? And was he going to be better than Carson Wentz? I like that philosophy. Okay. So Carson Wentz, I think he's shown enough so far through seven games. You know, he's had, you know, the offensive line issues, the injuries coming back from uh, those injuries, offensive lines getting healthy, back stronger now. I think he's shown us enough to let us know, hey, I'm going to be here a long time. So I think Carson Wentz is now the future quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts for the next, what, like 
seven to 10 years or so like that. I, I don't even know. I don't want to put a number on it. Jonathan Taylor. Okay. This guy, his jump cuts, even in the rain were impressive. His jump cuts, man. There, there's something about these things that his ankles, his legs, however, he, he is so special. And people, Chris Collinsworth, you know, called him Le'Veon Bell-esque. But Le'Veon Bell did not have the explosion that Jonathan Taylor had. The, the patience, mm-hmm. yes. And when you have the patience mixed with the explosion, you get Jonathan Taylor. Then you go to Michael Pittman. Only had, what, four catches on the day. But, man, he was doing so much more. He was blocking in the run game. He got the Colts down in field goal range in position to score a touchdown without even touching the ball because he, I think it was what three times he drew a defensive pass interference, jump ball to Michael Pittman, boom, defensive pass interference. Rashad, when was the last time we had a guy like that, that we can just toss it up. We'll say, you know what? You're that good that you're either going to win that matchup or we're going to get a defensive pass interference. Cause that's how good you are. When was the last time we had a guy like that? Uh, you know, Colts don't typically get receivers like that. We've been targeting bigger receivers for a long time. You know, we signed Andre Johnson. Well, we signed uh, Funches. One, and all those guys were supposed to come in and be the big dominant X's in our system. And it never materialized. Like, we were never able to get that. So when, the, when people seen Michael Pittman come, they start panicking. Oh, man, it's going to be another failed experiment. I've seen people say that. You know, Michael Pittman is not going to be this or not going to be that. And he's proven a lot of people wrong, man. He dominated that game yesterday. I know it may not show up in the stat sheet, which the stats is pretty good. I mean, four catches for 103 yards, a touchdown, average 26 yards per catch. That's a good game, especially in these conditions where he wasn't even supposed to be throwing the ball. But he drew about another 75 yards worth of pass interference calls. And it was just nothing the 49ers could do with him. They had no answer for him. He's that guy, man. Wentz, I'm glad to see you on the Wentz train fully. We're happy to have you, Michael. You know, there's, there's refreshments in the fridge. We're glad to have you aboard, man. It, it, it feels good, though. Honestly, it's good. The deal that Ballard made for Wentz will be considered highway robbery if he considered play, if he continues to play at this level. It's not even close. You know, Imagine- you do that. Imagine if he returns to the MVP conversation and wins a couple ships. Imagine that. I mean, in Philadelphia, one of the biggest robberies. Philadelphia fans are going to be like, all we got was a third and a first. Dude, that, dude, look, I, so far, I guess you could say in my young podcasting journalism career, hitting on something, everyone has something that they hit on, whether if it's a player, a team. I will gladly take Michael Pittman as my hit. Even before we selected him in the second round on my show, when I first started, before I even thought about the other network, before I even joined the other network or created this one, when I was on my own, Michael Pittman was my darling. It was him, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Van Jefferson, and I believe Denzel Mims were the five guys that I was really hoping to get in that draft. And I remember my comparison for Michael Pittman. And when it comes to comparing him to greats, I don't do that very, very often. I really don't. But when I watched Michael Pittman at USC, man, dude, I can't, I can't believe I even 
made this comparison, but I saw a little bit of Reggie Wayne in him. I really did. The route running, the physicality, the number one thing that popped off, and I even mentioned it last week on the show, the number one thing that popped off to me when I watched Michael Pittman at USC, nobody catches. When did you ever see Reggie Wayne catch with his body? He always caught with his hands. Michael Pittman caught with his hands. Just how they go about themselves, that dog they bring. You know, Reggie Wayne, he's probably the sweetest guy off the, off the field. Michael Pittman is probably the sweetest guy off the field. But when they put that helmet on, I'm coming for you. And that's exactly what both of these guys bring to the table. That was my comp. And, I mean, damn. I, I was saying he's wide receiver one, but even seeing it is, is surprising me. So I'm like, oh, boy, we got a bad one on our hands. Going forward, Rashad, this trio, you know, to, to win a Super Bowl, you always want to have that trio, one throwing the football, one in the backfield, one on the outside. You always want to have that, okay? The Colts are in good hands for the future. They, they really are. And especially when you look at two of those guys being on rookie contracts still, and then the other guy you're getting at a below market value because he's you're getting him at around twenty twenty seven million dollars a year, and for a franchise quarterback that is great. You'll pay that every year. You know when we see when franchise quarterbacks get thirty five and forty million dollars. So if you can get Carson Wentz and you have him under contract for the next couple of seasons, which is great. You don't have to worry about reing up on him. You have Taylor for a, another year after this year. You have Michael Pittman for another year after this year. You know, you're in good hands. Now is the time to strike. And it looks like this coast team is rounding out the form, man. And like you said, when you think about the great trios, we think about the, the Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin. You know, we think about that dude, that trio. You think about a couple of guys, you know, Jerry Rice and Ricky Waters and Steve Young, you know, you think about guys like that. There's a lot of times you just have to give the ball to a guy in high leverage situations, third and tens. You need a guy to just go win. You can't scheme up everything. You can't draw up everything perfect. Sometimes you got to tell your guy, look, man, I need you to just go win. And that's what it seems like. The Colts are getting out of Michael Pittman. And Jonathan Taylor is just a guy that can take it on any given play at any given time and, and hit a home run for you. And again, last night, before we wrap this segment up, moving on to Frank Reich, watching him last night, dude, Michael Pittman, it's like he is so engaged. He is so aggressive. He is so competitive. Even after Mo Ali Cox's touchdown, did you see freaking Michael Pittman was more aggressive, more amped than my, uh, Mo Ali Cox? I mean, this guy brings it. I'm not sure if it's something about being under the lights. He was under the lights a lot at USC. They played, they, they were they were on the coast. They played like around start time was like nine or 10 o'clock at night. That was their start time. So he's used to playing under those lights. He's used to playing in that weather. He's used to that on the coast. So I love what I'm seeing from Michael, man. I love what I'm seeing from it, man. I mean, him, and you talk about, you know, we, this was a discussion, of course, in the offseason. You know, Dustin mentioned guys don't don't speed, you know, don't elevate this quickly. I think that narrative is changing. Not, not, not just Michael Pittman. I mean, look at CeeDee Lamb. 
Look at Justin Jefferson. Look at A.J. Brown. Look, look, look at these guys that are coming out. Jamar Chase is already almost a 1,000-yard receiver in his rookie year. These are guys, I mean, I don't know if it's the coaching, if it's the treatment, the medicine, the workouts, the, the training. I don't know what it is. These young cats coming up are getting better. They're ready for this thing. And I'm ready to see it. Once again, I wish we – give me a coin flip right now. Go back to the draft, man. Screw Paquiti Pay. I'm trading up for Jamar Chase. Uh, Chase and Pittman on the outside – Man, I don't think Pittman. I don't think Pittman develops like this. If we had Jamar Chase, so I think they. I think they develop in a way they're developing because they're separate. You bring them together, it probably right. slow down one of them. Right, 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 right. Because uh, Chase but, is a stud, though, man. Dude, Jamar Chase is. Oh. I, I'll say this right here because I was one of the people that was uh, Penesul. They should have took Penesul over Jamar Chase right after the draft. Nope, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was 100% wrong. Jamar Chase has changed that whole franchise. Yeah. And, and I didn't think a wide receiver can do that. But he has unlocked Joe Burrow and, and has changed the way, the whole dynamic of that team. Yeah. He has. I, I think when it comes to that, you know, a lot of people were skeptical and critical of the Bengals because they didn't take a, a, an offensive lineman. But in this day and age, man, I keep I keep mentioning it here off and on. Where this league is going, it's all about offense. You got to have that alpha. You have to. And if it went, if it was Jamar Chase, I believe Kyle Pitts was the pick before he went to Atlanta. So Cincinnati was up. You had to go Jamar Chase. You couldn't go with offensive line. You couldn't. I understand what just happened to Joe Burrow, but Jamar Chase's, they don't come around every year. They, re- they really don't. All respect to Chris Olave this year. To Drake Jackson, David Bells of the world, all Drake London, I, I believe. Drake London, not Drake Jackson. Yeah, Drake uh, London. Yeah. Drake London. All respect to those guys. Jamar Chase is once every few years, maybe even once every six. So I just want to put that out there. This ain't this ain't a Bengals podcast, man. But those uniforms are clean, and he's yeah. an alpha. So getting yeah, into yeah, Frank, on, Frank, getting into Frank Reich here, man. Um, boy, man. I love Frank Reich. He is talking the talk and he is walking the walk. All this commotion being built up. He doesn't, he doesn't have a drive to win. He's not aggressive. He gets too conservative. He needs to be fired, whatever the case may be. He literally said last week, third and eight, he told his team in that situation, I'm not running the ball again. I'm going to trust my quarterback. I'm going to trust my guys outside. It's one thing to hear that after a game. It's another to come back the following week, not a month later, the following week, and mail in on that declaration. So that touchdown to Pittman is what I'm alluding to. Right there, Frank Reich, that's what he was talking about. Instead of playing conservative, you know, people like to say he played not to lose. He went He went for the throw. And actually, Frank Reich even mentioned he was surprised that Carson went with that because it was originally supposed to be a screen, but he hit him. And that's just where, where it's a good thing to have a guy like Pittman go up and get it. I'll throw it up, climb the ladder, go get it. And that's what he did. I love Frank Reich. I can tell he's starting to get it. He started not as in like, he's starting to be a good coach. No, I think he's in a rhythm now. 
I think he is in a rhythm now. When just like a player, you make that one throw, you make that one catch, you make that one run, one coverage play, whatever the case may be. Now in your head, I got this. I think Frank Wright looks in the mirror and he says, I'm coming for this league's ass. I'm coming for it. I think so. What what are your thoughts on, on, on Frank Reich, man? You know, walking the walk, talking the talk, backing up his declarations, man. I think it was more so an execution thing. I always thought it was execution. I get a hypothetical situation. On that third down and goal when Carson Wentz uh, kept the ball and ran it in for a touchdown. Had you known if Carson Wentz handed that ball off to Jonathan Taylor, he got stuffed, people would have crucified Frank Wright for that play call. But it's just the fact that Carson Wentz didn't give it up and scored on a play. Nobody had anything to say. It's such a good play call. It's a genius move by Frank Wright. Frank Wright didn't control that. It's literally a read option by the quarterback. That was the play call. So the play success hinged on what the quarterback saw. Not Frank Wright. That's the problem I have with, with people and, and them not having any idea of who to blame in certain situations. Frank Wright just get the blame for it all. I'm glad that he stuck by his guns, manned up, and went for it. And didn't. And Carson decided not to throw the screen. Not to throw the screen, but to throw a jump ball and give his guy his shot. We've been clamoring for Michael Pittman to get some of these 50-50 balls. And I have no idea what Drake Kirkpatrick was doing, but I see why he has been bouncing around from team to team because you're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Yeah. Dude, I mean, oh yeah, salute Michael Pittman again. Um, gotta gotta keep saluting, man. Um, I I really like what Frank, you know, it it hasn't been a problem honestly. I really haven't even seen it as a problem. But the fact that now the execution is there, guys are now in a rhythm. Shout out Chris Reed also, dude, getting forty four snaps. Mark Glinski getting twenty four. Unfortunately, it's looking like maybe his spot might be taken in due time. Um. I would imagine you're not rotating guys against Tennessee. I got to imagine that. So, but to know that you also have guys in in the depth that can step up, that's nice to know. But I just wanted to highlight what, what Frank Reich said last night, man, because a lot of people like to ridicule him. A lot of people like to hold him accountable for his lack of accountability. Um, and that's exactly what goes on. We don't know what goes on in these locker rooms behind closed doors, what the discussions are. So let's chill out. Let's go on a week-to-week basis like Chris Ballard asked us to, not a play-to-play basis, a week-by-week basis. To me, Frank Reich's heating up. And maybe at the perfect time with Tennessee coming to town. We'll, you know, table that discussion for it's, Thursday. It's gonna be, but uh, going to be a big game. Ooh, it's going to be a big one, and it's a it's a must-win also. Now, getting getting on the other side of the field, man, the defense, you know, I, I came away, of course, with mixed feelings. From the defense, uh, my, my first observation from last night, the rain really helped the team. The, the rain the rain did help the team a little bit. Uh, I saw guys winning some matchups, and that's what I was kind of alluding to. A couple of guys losing that grip because of the dampness. It was wet. Uh, all the rain, you know, missing out on some blocks. I know Quiddy Pay was able to get loose. Alcadine was able to get loose. Grover was able to get loose on a few. Um, but, hey – there's a job to do regardless if whatever the weather is and they did it. Darius Leonard, 
man, I'll I'll t- talk about him later in the show. But uh, the corners, Xavier Rose, shout out to him for you know playing with the pain. He went down literally pre-game warmups and was literally on one leg guarding Debo Samuel, one of the better receivers in the league, on one leg the whole game. So the offensive, the defensive line, linebackers, Bobby Okariki. I think Bobby, I think honestly, Bobby played his best game of the year, in my opinion. I think he played his best game of the year. It wasn't, of course, it, it was in the rain, so he wasn't facing too much. But I think where he was in the run game, being active in the passing lanes, being active in those coverage lanes, the angles, everything, getting depth. I think he had, I think this was his best game, honestly. I, I really got to commend him. The safeties, Andrew, Andrew Sandejo, hey, had a good game. Kari Willis had a good game. Bobby Okereke had a good game. Shout out to Forrest Buckner getting that final sack, sending his team home with a sack, okay? Um, Rashad, the defense. What, you know, did the this defense. game. This is how, you know how Michael Pittman, you know, he – he fulfilled you with joy. You was able to take a victory lap. I'm going to take a victory lap with Xavier Rose because he took so much criticism <laughs> from our other co-hosts who shall remain nameless, Dustin. <laughs> you talked about my dog. You dragged his name through the mud. This guy has been playing lackluster this season. I said he was injured. Y'all guys said that wasn't an excuse. I said, you know what? It ain't an excuse. If you're out there, you have to perform. This guy got hurt in warm-ups. Frank Reich said he thought it was over. He wasn't going to play today. He started working on a contingency plan, an emergency plan, started interviewing people in the stands who had football history. Can you come out and play cornerback for the Colts? Xavier Rose said, no, hell no. I got this. And at a crucial time in the game, when the Colts was only up five points, San Francisco was driving downfield, had a chance to take the lead. Xavier Rhodes said, give me that. He stepped up, made a big play. Also on the first drive of the game, he, he deflected. He had a pass breakup on Debo, man. He did as good as you can do in those conditions. And he made a big play, man. Like Mike said, we had to win the turnover battle, and he contributed to that. We'll talk about Darius Leonard later. Uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad had a strip sack. Off of uh, Quiddy Pay getting the initial pressure off the end, he shot out Quiddy Pay shot out a cannon on that snap too, boy. He got around, he missed the sack, but he allowed Elkadine to come in and get stripped. Uh, man, that team, the defense, we talk about it all the time. When you play that soft zone, you have to force turnovers. It, it, it's no if, answer, buts about it because the offense is going to get yards on you. They're going to drive down the field on you. That's just is what it is. Any good quarterback is going to find a soft spot in that zone, and they're going to pick you apart. So when you have the opportunity, you have to force turnovers, and that's exactly what the Colts did. And, man, they stepped up. In this weather, they really went out there and balled. You would have never thought that that was the team that played in the dome, playing against the team that plays outside predominantly. You would have never thought. Honestly, I actually liked and I actually love the fact that they played in the rain because depending on what the standings are, if you get a wild card, you're going to be playing outside Baltimore, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Tennessee, whatever the case may be. And, hey, it might be raining. You have that experience already. You already know how to adjust in that inclement weather. What? what, what I mean, talking about the defense, still it's a little bit of a win-lose situation with me. Um, 
clearly hampered by a one-legged Jimmy G. It was raining. Clearly, there wasn't grip on the ball. Uh, guys were fumbling. Uh, Debo Sam, I think, dropped a couple passes. Um, so, honestly, man, I mean, again, when they went play action, and this, is th- this again, was the big red flag that came immediately was the first drive of the game when the rain was light, moved the ball easily on them. And then in the fourth quarter, when the rain lightened up again, moved the ball easily on them. And again, that's not a good sign moving forward for this defense. It's still giving up plays, still giving up yards. I thought they uh, buckled down on the run. Thankfully, uh, they really buckled down. I, I saw a couple of guys coming back up to the line of scrimmage, Anderson Deho, uh, Kari Willis, of course. Guys were getting physical. Shout out Al-Kadi Muhammad. He was, I think, first half was pretty bad. But second half, he came back and started winning some reds, containing the edge a little bit, setting the edge. So the defense still doesn't have my trust. I won't trust this defense as long as Matt Eberflus is the defense quarter. I won't trust this defense. I really won't. Um but the fact that we have guys on this defense that can create plays again, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. I'm going to always root for this defense Um, moving forward, you know, playing against a one-legged Jimmy G. I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is hurt. I don't think Josh Allen is hurt. Mac Jones, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, these other quarterbacks that are waiting for us. Hell, I think we just maybe, maybe want to say caught a break on Thursday night. Zach Wilson is hurt so we're not going to see him they did just trade for joe flacco but will he be ready in time is my question that's a quick turnaround so um of course he's gotta he can't even practice immediately he's still got to go through the covid protocol which will probably take about a couple of days and you're already behind on practice time already so we may not even see him either um yeah i i still have questions about the defense the pass rush was still non-existent uh there was – I can't remember who it was. They beat that backup left tackle. I think it was Quiddy Pay, right? Mm-hmm. It was Quiddy Pay, yeah. On that play where got to finish the sack. You got home, but you have to finish. That's my thing, man. I, I got to talk about this real quick. Why the hell do defensive linemen keep trying to go high for a sack? Because they stop, want to strip. Stop they want going, to strip. Stop, stop going high. Go under the armpits. Knock that – Knock that ball loose they and go take over. him down at the same time. They go over for the Quiddy Pay over here trying to jump on him like he's jumping in the damn lake. Dude, bring the dude down. Why are you over here trying to jump on him like it's hopscotch, man? That 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 sack pissed me off so, or that would be sack pissed me off so much, man. I'm like, bro, he was right there. Mama got the strip though on that place. So. Muhammad did, but yeah, that Muhammad was Quiddy's sack. It was Quiddy Sack. And he jumped over him. What? Oh, Brian Baker is pissing me off, I swear. Um, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, But I do got to give the defense its credit. They made plays when it was time. Also, shout out to them after Jonathan Taylor fumbled that ball, just had a piss-poor defensive series, came back out, forced a field goal. That was big time. So, again, also the other – Man, what what was that? What what was that shovel pass by Carson Wentz, man? It wasn't a pass. It was a fumble. It it was a pass. It was a pass. His arm moved 
forward with the ball still in his hands. It was a pass. It was a okay. fumble. It was it, a fumble. For the sake of stats, it was, it was a, a fumble. fumble. But the okay. but for the sake of I know what the hell I'm watching, it was an interception. Okay, I'm defense responded. The defense responded well after that man went it. For Carson, man, he has played well. But these shovel passes, man, stop doing them. Okay, stop doing them. You made well, since a- you got since we got questions. How about you answer how a punt can hit your foot and you kick it in the end zone? And he get ruled the touchback. How about that? Okay, Since now, you got questions, Mike. Okay, now now I'm about to take this robe off now, man. Now, <laughs> now you're starting to get, get me upset. I, I, I was up here hyped about Michael Pittman, but now you're trying to bring my mood down. I got to take off the robe. I was feeling like a million bucks. Now I got to – damn it, Rashad. Um, okay, man, we got to talk about this, okay? Brandon Ayuk fielded a punt, touched the ball like around the 20-yard line, he literally kicked the ball back. Now, in the basic rules of the NFL, on a special teams play, kickoff or punt, when that uh, when that returner makes contact with that ball, it is a live ball. It is live. That means it is up for grabs for anyone who wants to grab it. All right. I was so confused when the ref came out and said. The player kicked the ball, but it remained a punt. What the hell does it remained a punt mean to me? It remained a punt. How does it remain a punt when he kicked it? He he just attempted a field goal, in my opinion. So it wasn't a punt anymore. It was a field goal now. Out here thinking he playing soccer or something. No, okay? Your U.S. men's national team sucks, first off, all right? Secondly, Relax. You're not a soccer player. Wrong football, okay? Wrong football. What? And then he is in the field of play, goes into the end zone, out of the back of the end zone. How is that not a safety? What is this rule, dude? What is this rule? So now that we know the rule for sure, every time someone wants to pin us back deep, and they get to the two-yard line, Naheem Hines come busting in, boom, kick it out of the back of the end zone. Start on the 25 rather than the two. How about that now? We ain't going to have no issues, right, NFL? All right, see ya. <laughs> Goodness gracious. What, Rashad, what was that, man? Pathetic, disgusting, filthy, uh, trifling. I'm appalled. I've been bamboozled, hoodwinked. It was just really sloppy officiating out there the weather was bad and officiating was even worse like i don't understand the rules anymore it looked like we're just making it up as we go along what what are we doing mike it, it seems like some bullshit always happened to us especially when it's prime time it seems like something always happens to us. you remember the ravens game last year they just made up an interception the interception was terrible it wasn't even yeah. close to an interception it, the refs always come up with some bullshit when it's the Indianapolis coach, man. I, I, I just don't get it, bro. Rashad, this is my thing, man. If, if, if the rule is the rule, okay, fine. But what the hell does it remain a punt mean? <laughs> the what explanation mean? was so, terrible. So, so if Carson Wentz throws the ball to Michael Pittman, he drops it and it's on the floor, we can still pick it up because it remained a pass? Is, is, can, can we do that because it remained a pass? Man, onward. Okay, onward. Um, 
Yeah, onward. Yeah, I don't even know what to. I was about to say a comment, but we're on live airwaves, and I know I know how to watch my it. mouth. Don't I know how to watch my it. mouth. I'm smart. Uh, but talking about someone on the defense, okay? Darius Leonard, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something, okay? Darius Leonard has officially entered the Defensive Player of the Year award race. He is there. Okay, now this is my pet peeve. If we're going to keep hyping up Trayvon Diggs, if we're going to keep showboating him, showing his highlights everywhere, even though he's out here getting his ankles broken against Cardarius Sony, he's getting beat by Kendrick Bourne. Who the hell is that? I thought that I thought. He Wait, who broke his ankles, Mike? Cardarius Tony. I thought oh, Kendrick okay. Bourne last time I thought I thought he was in the WWE or something. Now he's in the NFL. Go crazy. Uh, Now he's getting beat by him for 80 yards. If we're going to hand Trayvon Diggs, the, and people want to give the award to him now, if we're going to give him the award now because he gets beaten all up and down the field, but he gets a couple turnovers, and a couple of them were very lucky interceptions, by the way. If we're going to give him that, then let's go ahead and put Darius Leonard in that conversation. My biggest thing, let's be consistent, all right? I get it, Trayvon Diggs. He's got that star in his helmet. He's the media darling, America's team. If he made one pass breakup, PFF would put it everywhere, but they won't show you that he got beat on two 30-yard bombs, all right? He, they just won't show that. So my biggest thing is consistency. Darius Leonard already created, what, eight turnovers through seven games. Hell, what is that, like six turnovers in the last three? That's crazy, man. That is crazy. And he's doing all this on a bum ankle. A bum ankle he can't even he can't even uh run full speed on. Darius Leonard is here and he is in the he is in the defensive player of the year conversation. That's all I got to say. Rashad, is he in? Darius Leonard has to be in the conversation. I mean, when you say three force fumbles three fumble recoveries, two interceptions. It's game-changing plays, man. I, I tweeted, and I seen it got a lot of traction. If you want to say Fred Warner's a better, you know, coverage linebacker than Darius Leonard, like he, he makes more tackles than Darius Leonard, that's fine. But I will always take the linebacker that makes the game-changing plays. Like, get, Darius Leonard makes game-changing plays. And trust me, when other teams play Darius Leonard, because I talk to people that – has played against him this season. They talk about that in the locker room. They say, look, this is Darius Leonard. This is their playmaker. This is what he likes to do. He likes to punch the ball out. We're going to protect the ball all week. We're going to do different type of drills that that focus on protecting the football. And then Sunday comes and, boom, he pops one out. Like, it, it happens, man. He's just always around the football. As you see him, when he does get it, he's trying to make a lateral. And whenever Darius Leonard recovers a fumble or catches an interception, you see just how bad injured he is because you see him trying to return those footballs. And, man, it, it's one of the ugliest things you'll ever see. He's he's really in pain out there, and he's really toughing it and gutting it out and making plays, man. Nothing but respect. I, I tweet it, and I'll leave it at this. He got paid $95 million, and the rule is you don't pay an off-ball linebacker that type of money. Darius Leonard is the exception, not the rule, and, and that's just what it is, man. That's what it is, man. Look, here's 
Here's my thing. And plus, even sometimes, even last night, he made a couple tackles and I still saw him favor it a little bit. He's not going to do it with his hands, but the way he stands up, the way he gets up, walks away, I can see that he's still favoring it. And I, I also think, you know what, man? I got to say this. I think it is absolute bullshit. The fact that we are seven weeks into the season and our bye week still isn't until five weeks away. I think that's, that's complete bullshit. In my opinion, that is, that is BS. I just want to put that out there, but one key thing, the Colts walked away from last night with no injuries, but to Bobeat keys. So that's a good, good, good thing to have going into Tennessee. We're healthy. So Getting into our last topic, we're not going to spend too much on this, man, but Colts currently are on a two-game winning streak. The offense is in rhythm, clearly. The defense is kind of picking up a little bit of heat, all right? Facing the freight train, Derrick Henry, okay? Then playing the Jets, playing the Jaguars, going and playing. I mean, can this continue, man? Can this continue, we got the Bills, Bucks, Cardinals. Don't forget the Raiders, man. That's the second to last game of the season. And right now they're the number two seed. All right. Let's not forget them. We got those games coming up. But right now, man, coming up is a must win. We'll harp on it on Thursday, a lot more on Thursday. But it is a must win. I don't care. Look, they did a great job beating Buffalo. They did a great job beating Kansas City. I've been saying their defense sucks for two years. All right? Welcome on board. Um, Look, man, they did what they're supposed to. But coming up, can they sustain this winning streak? They can. It's at home. It's probably going to be the biggest game of the year, honestly. Look, I get the Buccaneers are the big media draw. The Cardinals are going to be big time. Um, The Buffalo, we're going to be in Buffalo. Look, this is the biggest home game of the year. Everyone needs to be there. It needs to be sold out. Everybody needs to be loud. This team is coming. This they're, they're coming. I can see, you know, you know how you just sit and you study a team on a week by week basis. And you just see each week, something is growing. Something is intensifying within this team. And I think they're starting to catch that chemistry, man. I think it's coming. I'm excited about this offense, man. Of course, Eric Fisher, I'm tired of watching him on my screen. Clearly um, got to give it to him though. At least he's making up for it in the run game. Okay, guys, we will have so much more about this talk on Thursday, guys. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you for listening into this episode. I'm glad I got to show y'all my robe. Glad I got to show y'all my nice little, my nice little uh, cup, my whiskey glass. Got a Got a little bit extra in there uh, to, to take down, but Shout out, I just beat, or I am beating Rashad McGinnis in fantasy right now. Four-game win streak. Got him. Debo Samuel and Michael Pittman helped that out, by the way. Um, Other than that, guys, Michael Pittman is here. Jonathan Taylor been here. Carson Wentz has arrived. He's now the future, in my opinion. He's shown enough, guys. He's the future. Huh? He's been the future, Mike. He's been, on, okay. let's go. He's been the future. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you again for tuning into this episode, guys. Make sure to catch us tomorrow on Tuesday. We drop our episodes on Tuesday, Friday. Stay in tune for those. We have some great articles coming out from our writers. Shout out to those guys. Couple, Lucas Robbins, Austin Isaac, Joshua Perez, a couple of those guys that are busting out articles. Sebastian, all the way from UK. Shout out to the UK. Guys, Again, again, 
subscribe on YouTube, like this video, comment below, subscribe, rate, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you want to do. As long as you are here talking about Michael Pittman getting hyped, you need to do that for us, all right? If not for me, if not for Rashad, if not for the Blue Stable, but for Michael Pittman, hit that subscribe, hit that rate, hit that review. And what we're going to do is let you enjoy this episode, gear up for Friday's episode. Let's gear up for a Halloween showdown. Someone's going to trick or they're going to treat. And I have a feeling (laughs) someone in Indy is going to have a treat. Guys, I am Michael Terrazas. This is Rashad McGinnis. We will see you this week.